0: score the podcast the only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians
1: i'm kenny holmes that's matt schrader hey what's up matt this is score the podcast really excited about our episode today i got a chance to go to the world premiere of this movie the iron claw this is right down your alley this oh uh... yeah wrestling movie uh A lot of, lot, I mean, it's it's intense. Um, the, the wrestling is spot on. They, they were trained by wrestlers. It's really good. And the score is terrific. And our guest today is the composer of that film, Richard Reed Perry. He's a band member of the Arcade Fire. And he also scored a movie called Eileen, which is out as well. So he's on a tear right now. And we're excited to talk to him before he gets too big, even though he's already like a global rock star. Um, but I know Robert music was world, super
0: bummed that uh, yeah. he couldn't be part of that chat. So
1: Yeah, Robert's on holiday, probably watching the Iron Claw in theaters right Obviously. now, most likely. Um, but we're going to get to <laughs> that chat with Richard Reed Perry in just a second. He's going to join us from the East Coast. Um, but before we do that, Matt, uh, we're coming up on the Golden Globes. This this award season's kind of crazy because everything got pushed with the strikes and everything. So it's almost reminiscent of like 2020. Like Everything's just kind of bottled up on top of each other. We got yeah, another Globes, weird year. Emmys, Grammys, Oscars all within like six or seven weeks of each other. Um, so it's going to be a little bit crazy. Um, but uh, let's get into it. We have one, two, three, four, five five, six nominees for best original score in the golden globe category.
0: And this is, again, we're, we're into like award season again, where half of these people haven't even seen yet. You know, it's like that kind of weird thing around award season where it's like, this movie was so great. says everyone who's seen it and no one has seen it yet. So you're right. Kinda like it, we're very early
1: to all of this stuff, but um, they had like a limited release to get qualified and then they made exactly. come out or, uh, or or they're about to come out in the next week or so. Um, but uh, the zone of interest, Mika Chu, which is uh, Mika Levi, Mika Levy. I'm not sure how to say the last name, but Levi, um, yeah, I think she's she's been doing things, and this is her band, uh, and that's very exciting. Uh, the Boy and the Heron, with uh, that's Joe Hisaishi, mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, Ludwig Göransson, yep. Poor Things, Jerskin Fendrick's Killers of the flower moon for us. Yep. Yeah. Killers of the flower moon. Uh, the late Robbie Robertson and Spider-Man across the spider verse friend of the show, Daniel Pemberton, such a, such a cool score in that too.
0: Yeah. I mean, all, I haven't seen the zone of interest yet. Um, poor things is yet to come out. Uh, killers of the flower moon. I, I have started on and it's a time commitment. So I stopped. Uh, (laughs)
1: Frickin as is every three hours man. movie yeah you gotta put it on the calendar no meetings uh, i'm watching a film
0: here. <laughs> yeah, blocked us off and yeah um but uh but yeah it's uh it's another uh interesting year and um i mean it is kind of cool to see some of the the different uh approaches that are, are coming into this industry again. yeah uh, i mean today's episode obviously the interview uh, that we're doing with richard reed perry is a great example of that because it's uh, a really different kind of a sound um, that's coming into this, this world again of, of film music. And so um, it'll be interesting to chat with him a little bit about, I don't know, how he bridges the gap from being um, kind of creating things with other musicians and that then becoming part of this whole visual experience. Uh, Arcade Fire did work on the movie Her, so there's a little bit of history
1: there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but that uh, was more of like a band score versus a score right. score. And when you see the Iron Claw, you will see that he's not writing Queen songs for an arena wrestling match. This is a tragedy film, and there's a lot yep. of heartbreak and emotion in that film. And all those moments needed some superb music, and he did a great job in it. So uh, Which yeah, we set gonna... this up
0: as a wrestling movie, but it's also this movie yeah. about this, this curse that is like a really... Uh, It's accessible to anybody who's watching it. So it's not like an inside, you know, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but this is a a super cool concept to me. So I think people would like this and the music is really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let's get to it. We're going to jump in now with our interview with film composer and rock star Richard Reed Perry.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: We are super excited and thrilled to be joined by Grammy-winning recording artist, core member of Arcade Fire, and he's hot on the scene as a film composer with two films out this year, Eileen and The Iron Claw. Please welcome to the show Richard Reed. Perry, Richard, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you guys doing? Great, great. Um, big time for you, man. I mean, The Iron Claw, uh, when when this episode comes out, will be out uh, how exciting yeah. is that for you right now, uh having a film out in the holiday season like that?
2: It's real exciting. I mean, the the funny thing is I have two out kind of within three weeks of each other, which I don't know how long I mean, I don't know how often that happens for film composers, but it seems like it can't happen that often. But um but yeah, I mean I Eileen I actually scored last year and it kind of it premiered at Sundance and then I think it took them a while to to figure out their distribution scenario and so it has it just ended up that they both came out in the same month um but iron claw was kind of like a scramble until like a couple months ago they kept they kept changing the picture up until the last minute so we kind of they kind of came out of picture lock twice and um, i was still messing around with really minutiae and micro details like in late october i think (laughs) (laughs) that can be frustrating
1: i'm sure especially coming from the artist world where you're you're more in control of everything right
2: yeah it's definitely I mean it's a it's an adjustment that I'm that I'm making and getting used to uh, and figuring out the dance of you know how that how it works because I'm definitely coming you know I kind of I'm coming in through a side entrance into into film scoring um, where you know I come from the world of making albums for albums sake uh, and I still kind of relate to it that way I'm kind of taking on projects based on oh, does this seem like an album that I want to make? And if it seems like an album that I want to make and the, mo- and, you know, it seems this is a, does it seem like a good movie, but B does it seem like an album that I can really get into making? And if so, yes. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a go ahead for me. What
0: is the kind of uh courting process like with a filmmaker, as opposed to some other musician who you can kind of maybe, you know, collaborate more directly on an art form with, but in this case, you're inviting in this kind of visual component and this own kind of creative mind that works mostly in another field and the end result has to be something magical. What's that? Uh, what, what are you noticing about trying to, you know, find that, uh, that perfect sweet spot with uh, a new type of creative mind?
2: Yeah. I mean, what I've noticed so far, and you know, I'm sort of, I'm, four films into my scoring career, three of which are, well, Iron Claw's about to be out, so that'll be three, and I, I just scored um, a documentary that actually my uh, my wife co-wrote um, and co-created, and that'll be out sometime oh, next awesome. year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely... It's interesting because di- directors... Like, the first thing I notice is that directors... My theory so far <laughs> is that directors all... Sort of wish they were composer musicians, Mm -hmm. and it's like (laughs) because they're just they're just so used to being able to be you know in charge of slash the the genesis and the nucleus of every element of their art form. But music, generally, you know, obviously there's there's exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, music thus far, my experience is is that directors the directors I've worked with are kind of like music is this is still this kind of final frontier. It's still kind of magical and uh, and mysterious. And like, they don't really understand how it works. And they also maybe really don't, don't really have a proper vocabulary for it. And they kind of know that and they don't, <laughs> they don't quite know how to, how to bridge that, you know? Um, and so, but but I think there's something really fertile and cool there where it's like, My experience is also that they get really excited and almost like there's like a childlike kind of wonder that (laughs) that directors still have for music, even though, you know, like. Relatively speaking, we as musicians and composers take such a shorter amount of time to make music than especially if the director is also the writer of a film or like sean who wrote and directed the iron claw also wrote and directed the nest which is his previous one that i worked on it's like both of those he wrote and directed and so that's like a five to seven year project for him where he kind of takes his time writing and then he takes his time envisioning and storyboarding and then he takes his time making it as much as he can but and then you know then there's a crazy rush but it's like i just can't even I can't personally fathom working on something actively for that long. Like music, there's just such a more immediate payoff. And where in film, it's all, you know, you're writing a film and then you're directing a film and it's all kind of projecting forward of like, this will probably be amazing. And this will probably be cool. And this will probably work. And this will probably need to be better than it currently is or whatever, where it's music. It's like, if it's not good when you make it it's not good then you make something else and you or you change it or, you know what i mean it's just so much more tactile where film it's like you can storyboard all you want but there's this power of imagination that they have to have that's that's thinking forward that that you know probably lots of really good composers have i don't pr- i don't really have that i have to i have to hear a thing in front of me you know in my ears to know if it's good and has a has a vibe and has a feeling to it Um, I, you know, I can, I can write, like, I can write a melody and I can write a chord progression that goes somewhere and I can think, oh yeah, when this is, if this is played by a string orchestra, this will sound great. Or, oh, this would sound awesome if it was French horn. I can think far ahead like that, but, but then beyond that, it's like, yeah, but will it have any mojo? Like, where does the vibe come from in a thing? Once you're, you know, once you, once you have whatever you have a strong melody or a strong little fragment of passage of music written. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's a good melody. You know, that's going to translate well to many, you know, it can translate to many instruments can translate to many arrangements or many, right. You know, many different things you can do with it, but like, but where does the feet, where does the feeling really come from and how do you know that it's going to have that feeling when, you know, and, and I, I prefer to just like be, be kind of trying to connect to the feeling mm. right away. And trying to record it right away. It's like, if that's going to be French horn, then let's record it on a French horn right now. And I'm going to call my guy and we're going to do that. Yep. That's the thing. Okay, great. Now we're in business. Like (laughs) it already has a feeling, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of digressing, but all that to say like it, it's a marvel to me how director's brains works, how a director's brain works and how, you know, you can... You then have to you you step step into this dance with with someone who's thinking forward theoretically um, in a way that I, I find kind of astounding. Well,
1: <laughs> how does your timeline differ? Like if you're working on an Arcade Fire album versus something like this? Like does we hear horror stories about deadlines with with film composers, but is this something that is daunting to you, or do you do you thrive in that sort of deadline that short period of time?
2: it's daunting and it's, it's definitely like it's more stressful than my experience of of being in a band has been, but I've also been extremely lucky in terms of my band experience where Arcade Fire has been basically an independent band functioning on its own terms for its whole career. Um, But at this really, you know, this kind of surprising level of popularity for an independent band. So we've been like, just really gotten away with so much in terms of no one's no one's breathing down our necks for for the next record and no one's there messing with our album or our our idea of what it's going to be you know like it's um it's really we're really lucky in terms of what the what the traditional model of record making has been compared to a lot of people um so comparative to that it's a lot more stressful making a film (laughs) score but it's what i really like about it because It's also, you know, I have all kinds of solo musical endeavors outside of Arcade Fire as well. And those are a lot harder to rein in in terms of having a deadline or a frame around like what, you know, what's the framework around how this will be released or when it has to be done for and then what happens to it once it's done and what do you do? And you can only tour so many things, so many projects so much of the time. And and so I, what I've been really loving about film composing is it's like you're signing up to a framework that's totally established. And like the date is there when you say, yes, I'll do this film. It's like, you know, when it has to be done and you're like, okay, this is how much time I have to make music and then it'll be done. And then I don't have to think about what I'm going to do afterwards. <laughs> I don't have to be like, how do I launch this record? Like what's the, right. <laughs> what's the name of the project? What Like who is, who's going to promote it? Who's going to put it out? It's like, you don't think about any of that stuff. You actually just have to, your job is done when it's done, you know? Um, and I I love that. So the kind of, you know, the stress of the infinite back and forths and the and the, the deadlines when some some part of you know some essential piece of the film musically isn't working yet and you haven't nailed it and the deadline is looming. That's that can be a little bit of a panic. But so far it's been totally fine um and yeah as i say it's kind of a trade-off for like a nice tidy framework around what the what the music is and where it will live what was your timeline for the iron claw what how much time did you have did you um
0: maybe take us back what was kind of your introduction to this i know you had probably a little bit of a shorthand already with the director who you would worked with on on the the
2: film prior was that your first film score the Nest was my first uh, on my own. I mean, mm-hmm. Ar- Arcade Fire did um, her, the Spike Jones right. film. Yep. Um, but that was, you know, that was, I mean, that was really making a band album combined with making a film score. It was like, had the limitations and the framework of making a film score. And there was kind of this tight crunch, time crunch, while we were also trying to make uh, our album Reflector at the same time. Um, so it was kind of stressful in, in that way. Um, but then also, it's 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 you know it's contained and it's clear and it's like oh this bit isn't working of the of the film we have to fix that what'll it be this is what it'll be okay it's done whereas like making a record it kind of sprawls out and you're like oh this bit of the record isn't really working what do we do I don't know like it, there's no scene telling you yeah. like <laughs> right. this thing does not work and this thing will work therefore you, you know you take option B um, anyway as to your question the timeline it's a little vague when it started. Um, like Sean sent me this script before they started shooting or anything like that. Um he, he, I mean, he asked me to do it when we were working on the nest, when we were okay. in mid, mid, mid process on that film. Um, Cause we both were really enjoying working together. Uh, and it was a really nice process. I was, that was a wonderful introduction um, to my first solo experience being a composer for film. Um, well, that was his directorial debut too, wasn't it? No, his his first like his kind of breakout film was called Martha Marcy May Marlene. That's um, right. Okay. That was like that won bajillions of awards and was it was Elizabeth Olsen's kind of breakout film. Um, and but that was some some years ago now. Um, and uh, yeah, he he kind of he found me um via a, a solo record that I wrote called Music for Heart and Breath that he really loved and he wrote the Nest listening to that album on loop Mm. apparently. And then he just reached out and was like, can you score the nest? Which I was happy to do. Um, and I did. And that was, yeah, it was a really fun process and we were both really happy about it. So anyway, all that to say that the kind of the wheels were in motion while we were still working on that. He was like, my next film is about wrestling. Are you in? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah,
1: totally. Are, were you a wrestling Um, fan or what, what drew you to, despite your relationship with him, what, what made you want to jump on
2: board? As a young teenager I I did I grew up without a TV and and so wrestling was like the thing that all the young kids around me were into and watched and I didn't have any access to because I had no TV uh and then my my fi- family finally got a TV when I was like in grade 8 I guess and then I kind of started making up for lost time so it was like watching <laughs> looney tunes and watching WWF on Saturday yeah <laughs> so it was like so so insane looking back you're like wow but um but yeah but all that to say it was resonant it was like I had definitely I went down a a rabbit hole with wrestling for a couple years as like a probably 12 13 year old which is a little little later than kids usually get into it but there we are um uh anyway yeah he he invited me into that project well in advance of it even existing and then kind of sent me the script when it was done and and as he as filming started to approach, I fr- at, at some point, he was like, he sent me the playlist of songs that he'd been listening to while he was writing the film, which is all these kind of 70s kind of dude power rock songs, kind of Tom Petty and Blue Oyster Cult and Rush and um, George Harrison. Just, just kind of, yeah, kind of folky rock and then kind of power power rock and springsteen and you know kind of hand in the air fist in the air ballad, i can do it kind of songs <laughs> kind of like early early days machismo rock and roll like predating the kind of metal <laughs> met, like over the top 80s sure. metal thing or hard rock thing but um but with this kind of fighting spirit to it and um and he was like, well, here's the playlist I've been writing to. You, and for the score, he's like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the score needs to be, but I'm thinking big drums. And that was it. It was kind of like, that was the directive. And <laughs> again, like, are you are you in? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah I'm, still, I'm still in. That's, that sounds fun. That's extremely open to interpretation and extremely open-ended. and um, And then I just started thinking okay he wants like power rock and like 70s big drums i just started recording like i would just go to my studio and kind of jam out and play guitar and play drums and play bass and just bang out the kind of instrumental rock tunes that kind of had, had kind of a 70s slant to them um and would just my my process thus far as, as a composer on every film is like make lots of ideas early on just make tons and tons of ideas and don't censor anything you know once you've either read this read the script or seen a scene or whatever they've got um to look at just look at that and just get a vibe and then don't don't get too caught up in thinking about what's what but just make lots of music intuitively in the dark and and bombard the director with ideas and let them sift and see if anything resonates and if anything resonates great and you go from there and then you make more and you need to kind of do that for a while um until you start to establish some kind of core feeling or you know thematic ideas start to emerge um anyway so i started doing that with these kind of like power rock ideas and and at some point during that process i was like also what if having you know having read the script i was like what if there's a song like what if there's a song in the film and like it could be kind of running in one of the characters' heads. You know, it's all these young lads, these wrestlers. And and then turns out one of them is in a band. And I was like, yeah, right. What if, what if there's like a song that's connected to one of them that he's kind of singing to himself? And there's some kind of interior monologue there or like a in lieu of a, an interior monologue. Um, and Sean was like, yeah, that could work. That's an idea. And, and, um, and anyway, and, and, and uh, it's and I asked my my wife Laurel um hey I think we, we'd been we years earlier we we were kind of writing songs together um, in a way in a, in a in a fashion that kind of connected to this kind of 70 Z and kind of like, power rock but just the two of us like this kind of duo we were banging around all these ideas and it never materialized into an actual project but but we had this real flavor of stuff that we were doing and i was like we should just do something we should just write a a tune for this and and uh threw something at her and we threw a couple things around and wrote this this song and i and i immediately as soon as we started writing it i was like okay john i think i have a song for the film and i think it belongs in the film and in fact i really know that it belongs in the film and here it is and it's a song that's called live that way forever um that's a in, in the credits of the film but it's also played by the youngest brother in the film he's kind of he's got a band and he plays he plays he's kind of rehearsing this song in his garage that's with awesome, his bandmates yeah. then he plays it at a house party and um anyway so that, and, and that and that and as soon as I sent it to him, we just demoed it right away. I kind of We kind of recorded it in, a, in an afternoon. I played all the parts and Laurel sang it. And I was like, I think this song belongs in the film. You know, having not, there's no film to see yeah, yet, right. but I was like, I just feel like the spirit of this song, like this song could sit beside any of those, any of those songs on, on the playlist. He was talking about, you know, all these like Tom Petty songs yeah. and Springsteen and Rush and all these things. It was like, I, I, this just could sit anywhere with those songs. And if you heard it, You could think oh i've never heard that song like what is that and you feel like it's kind of from that era you know but um anyway he immediately was like oh my god this is a really good song i'm totally in love with this thank you we're like we've got to write the film around this we got to rewrite we got to like write a scene around this and so he kind of was like okay the youngest brother was there any anxiety at all
0: but how he would react or did you know it was good
2: I knew it was really good yeah. and I, I there was a bit of like, I really think this belongs. And I yeah. hope that he, I hope that he really, I, anyway, I just hoped that it hoped that it land would land because also he, I'd been bo- kind of bombarding him with all these rock ideas and right, yeah. he hadn't like, none of them had like lit up yet in the way that I had been used to like getting really clear. This is a yes. Oh my God, let's do this from the, from the, from the nest. Um, where pretty early on in the process, I started making ideas as well. And and from the get-go, he was like, Ooh, this one, this has got something really interesting. And oh oh, this one also has something really interesting. Anyway, it was it was faster to to kind of gel. And and this was also a harder film by a mile yeah. to score in the end. Which once I saw the first cut of the film, um, I was like I was really daunted when I saw the film. I was like, this is an insane beast of a movie emotionally. Like that I don't even know if i can do this i don't know what this emotional tone is when i when i finally saw it but having fed them this song and him you know writing it into the film and so then he wrote it into the film which meant i had to teach these actors how to play the song (laughs) because so they they could do it live because it's them actually playing it in the house you know it's recorded like diegetically it's an on on scene piece of music um so which i did i kind of recorded videos of me playing each part of the song kind of youtube videos i like hey guys baseline for live that way forever um which is super fun and I, and I kind of hung out uh over zoom with with stanley that the actor who, who plays the, the young brother um and walked him through it in a bunch of ways and he kind of asked me questions about it and we just had a nice a nice thing anyway that was kind of like weirdly that was kind of like the beginning of the score because i was that was like the first idea that that landed oh wow um and so i was like okay well i'm standing on something i'm not standing on nothing here um well and, you,
1: you mentioned yes yeah. you mentioned that it's it it's impactful and super emotional and i i actually uh shot on the red carpet i still have my uh my claw here
2: oh um, yeah i was <laughs> at, i was there
1: in dallas i don't were you at the the premiere
2: Sadly, I wasn't at the oh. Dallas premiere. I, was, I went to the LA premiere, um, but well, I, I, I was tied up for the Dallas one.
1: I, I saw the movie, and you know, I grew up watching wrestling. I, I'm a wrestling fan, and it was. It, it's kind of like one of those movies where you think you're going to see a boxing movie, but it's not match after match after match. It's really there's a little yeah. bit of boxing in it, but it's really about a family and a bunch of yeah. t- tragic events that happen to this family and them kind of sticking yeah. together. And it's it is really impactful and and emotional. And that's, I think, you know, and then going in and listening to your score, we got a chance to take a, a listen to it. It hasn't come out yet, but all of these cues are so heavy. It's not what you'd expect. You're talking about writing rock music, but there's a lot of these really heavy cues. Did that, as you're writing all these cues for thinking like maybe stadium anthem rock type stuff, and then you see some of these scenes like how did how did it change for you as you started seeing picture
2: well i mean none of that stuck like one one of those tunes i wrote like like a couple dozen kind of rock bangers instrumentals and you you know very varying degrees of intensity and uh thinking this is where we're going and then it was like yeah none one of those stuck that's kind of like the first the first wrestling match that you see in the film Um, Is like, is one of those early, early pieces in the process. Um, But the rest of it just fell by the wayside. That's like in the, in the ideas bin for something else later at this point. Um, And it was, and as I said, like the first time that I saw a cut of the film, I was like, whoa, I do not know how to score this. I (laughs) truly don't know what this needs. And, and by that point he had kind of, Sean had kind of moved past the, big drums uh, idea and was like it was like we need like this whole film is about a curse it's about the family curse that these guys believe in right? and they were kind of tagged This the Von Erich family was c- tagged with the Von Erich curse it's like all these all these sons who horrible things keep happening too and um, and so he's like we need a curse theme like that's the central thing we need a curse theme and so it's like it needs to be kind of like claustrophobic and eerie and dangerous but not too on the no anything not too anything on the nose it's like something is lurking around all the time like there's a evil completely i don't think different he ever used the word arcade <laughs> fire by the way yeah oh yeah Com- like- i mean completely different from anything and also completely different from like a playlist of classic rock you know like just sure. like okay we're so we're pivoting from big drums and classic rock to something nebulous and evil. And that sounds kind of old kind of yeah. period. 60s they left the, it, the
1: classic rock to the needle drops, it seems like, and then they relied on you to really carry those heart. Yeah. Mostly. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's like some of the rock stuff that I wrote early on, as I said, ended up, we, you know, there's kind of one piece that we ended up using a few different times, like, or in a, f- in a few different ways um, that, but, Really, the whole thing turned into, into no, we need something that's like nebulous and haunting and kind of you know for me, it was like okay, there needs to be something if if we're talking about a curse theme it also needs to it needs to be like laced with something kind of mighty. Or something because it's all about this, you know, raw physical prowess of these of these dudes. They're all turning themselves into these muscly, you know, muscly wrestlers and and it's all in the arena. And even though the film is about family and and about masculinity and all this other stuff, it's not actually like about wrestling. that's there right we're like hanging out with all these extremely strong and agile bodies and this this wild displays of of prowess and endurance and strength and acrobatics and all of it um and so i was kind of like okay like big horns or sorry big big drums still in the back of my head but like claustrophobic and creeping and curse-like like okay let's go french horns and and like big orchestral drums maybe. And, and, um, so it kind of started there, started recording a bunch with, um, Pietro who produced the whole score and who's kind of my, my musical other half really. Um, and we started just working on lots of stuff, him playing lots of French horn. I would write stuff and, and get him to record layers of French horn, um, and still kind of recording drums and drum kit, but kind of transformed it into a more nebulous sounding thing that doesn't really sound like drum kit. It's more, <laughs> a little bit more orchestral and kind of classic sounding, but it is actually just drum kit. Um, and kind of went from there and start ideas started to land, and we started to have these kind of sort of big and epic but dark and foreboding kind of thematic material started to come out of that. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm an upright bassist, and so started to just lean on upright bass a lot. And so it kind of became upright bass and French horn and drums. And then everything from there was kind of extraneous, but that's really the core of the whole score. Um, So very, very dark and and kind
1: of thick. But then there's, there's the contrast, which I didn't realize this until I checked out the score, but you wrote the like eighties TV like 70s and 80s tv (laughs) intro themes which are super funny and like knowing that you wrote those is crazy because they're so legit sounding oh thank Uh, you (laughs) i'm cracking up that you got to write those did you have to like you said you didn't even watch tv until eighth grade really so what
2: yeah what how did you what
1: inspired those did you watch old wrestling clips or something
2: well, yeah, they, I mean, I think they weren't, I don't think they were allowed to, use, they would have used the actual like WCW themes, you know, bits that they, that they, they had in there from, from um, kind of archival footage um, originally that was like the, the placeholder was like real archival, you know, in commercial moments, um, but the, that they weren't allowed to use the, the OG stuff for whatever reason. And so they're, they're like, can you, you know, can you do something to replace this? And we did we did the first thing we did there was like it was really imitative um but in a in a really fun way it was like oh yeah i can you know replicate that and it was <laughs> a little we flew a little too close to the sun and they were like yeah legal legal department says this won't fly can you can you do this again <laughs> um and so we just transformed that um and there was honestly those both of those little pieces were like the most fun of the entire soundtrack it was like really fast really easy because you're kind of like working within a framework of like oh yeah this has to sound like kind of chintzy 70s like interstitial you know saturday night main event music and like the strings can be kind of midi sounding like already because they were already starting to get into that late 70s um yeah and kind of like cheesy but beautiful harmonized guitars and things like this anyway um that was really really fun I was like uh i'm pretty good at imitating stuff um and so it was a really fun thing to be trying to imitate stuff just enough that it sounded legit but also trying to make it you know trying to make bangers that came up, <laughs> came across like legit <laughs> wrestling promo music
1: Oh, uh, it's so funny i i just i could believe that when i played it. i'm like he
2: wrote those that's awesome
1: <laughs> um when you transitioned into film scoring it you know it seemed like a happy accident and now here we are you're in this world but we've seen a ton of you know, band guys, artists come from that world and jump into this world. Did you reach out to anyone who's done this transition or did you lean on anyone for tips on just the process? Because it's, at the end of the day, you're writing music, but this process going through it is completely different and there's a lot of layers to it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't really, to be honest. Like, I felt like I had learned, I had learned enough just from, when Arcade Fire scored her, I kind of, you know, that was, that was working on a, a medium budget feature film, um, with a bunch of other people. So you kind of had this cushion of like, you're still acting like a band. You don't have to be like an individual representing yourself to a, to a mysterious bunch of producers, whatever it was like. And Spike was a friend of ours. So it was kind of, it was kind of a nice intro to the whole thing where it was like he definitely knew he definitely knew he wanted us to be doing our thing for the movie, but then he also you know had kind of done the thing that lots of directors do of of filling the music up with temp music and there was all sorts of things that didn't really sound like arcade fire so then it was like this negotiation match of like how do you you know how do you r- respond to and ultimately replace temp music which is a whole I'm sure like books could be written on the subject um, but yeah I kind of felt like the the process was not very mysterious to me and so when Sean asked me to do the nest I was like yeah sure I can do that like I got some time and um, I like to make music <laughs> and it and it was and it, that was also a really small ensemble I guess like when I did the nest it was it was myself and uh, my friend Parker Spur is a, a really amazing pianist Um and a woman named Ayumi Paul, who's also a dear friend, who's an incredible violinist. And my friend Stuart Bogie, who's a, a wind player from New York, also a dear friend. Um, and that was it. It was like that was the the ensemble. So it was really small. And the scope of how much space he wanted the music to take up in the film was also quite intimate and small and stripped back. And so it, although it was, you know, it, it like, it plays a, a very specific role, but it's like very minimal in a lot of ways. Um, and so. Th- the combination of those two films being my first two entrances into film scoring, it, like it, it didn't feel very mysterious after that. And it's like, obviously working on a massive budget Hollywood, you know, thriller or action movie or something would be a whole different process. Um, and I haven't got there yet and <laughs> we'll see what the future holds. I don't know if that's where I would want to go. Um, yeah. Where do you position but- yourself now? Are you
1: a, a band member who, scores films here and there or are you a film composer now like what do you what do you call yourself if someone asks
2: i mean i've i like i've always thought of myself as just kind of like a a musically free spirit composer musician um and arcade fire getting as famous as it did as quickly as it did was not like in in my life plan and and so (laughs) when it did and all of a sudden it was the only thing that i had time for and was doing 24 7 it was all over the world with it was like really awesome experience in so many ways but i was also like whoa i got like i need some balance over here and so you know it took some time to figure out how to get that balance and how to go and make my own you know my own compositional albums and keep i have an ensemble called bell Orchestra that i still play with and we still make records and uh, making I, mean, I make all kinds of solo records um and like and i still really enjoy doing all of those things and i feel like th- and i'm a real collaborator at heart and i still need to do that all the time um so i really just think of myself in the same way as this kind of broad spectrum <laughs> musical <laughs> free spirit um who kind of plays many different instruments and writes many different kinds of music and um i'm a Adept in many different kinds of musical situations and totally not adept in many other kinds of musical situations, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of like I just do my thing. (laughs) The future
1: is unsure. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The future is always unsure, but it is always creatively driven. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I get excited. I like to just do work that I'm excited about, um, whatever I'm doing. And I'm very blessed to be able to just do that, you know, and I get to uh, like the same way that being in a band, only being in a band was never my goal, and only doing that for the rest of time was never my goal. I feel the same way about film scoring. Where I'm like, I I love this. I take this really seriously. It's also something I aspired to do from quite a young age, and it just sort of came to it slightly later um, and indirectly in a roundabout kind of way, but. Um, but also I couldn't just make music on demand on a deadline full time 365 days a year, you know, um, I need to also have a wander and go make experimental chamber music records and play on my friends' folk albums and just expand. I'm a, I'm a naturally expansive musical creature.
0: Do you know, uh, are you at that early stage of, you know, I want big drum sound and, Uh, all of that. Do you know what the next project is with Sean or someone else? Are you currently being haunted by any
2: parameters like that for the next project? No, right now. um, I'm actually like, I'm just sort of coming to the end of an excruciatingly busy period. And I am clearing my schedule. I've got projects that have to be finished a couple of different records. um, But I am, taking a break for a minute before having another deadline <laughs> that's a good idea yeah because uh um, yeah. the,
0: yeah. the sound of this I think um is gonna there's gonna <clears throat> be a lot a lot of interest if you're not hearing from people now I'm sure you you will be of people saying man that was really cool because there's a cool approach
2: yeah yeah it's a cool i I mean I I feel I feel like I'm the approach that I'm taking I feel like is like weirdly novel at this, yeah. at this junction like where and Eileen and Ironclaw both, where it's like, it's very like sort of live ensemble music and kind of, you know, it's like more related to like, you know, to like a taxi driver or a score like that. Yeah, for sure. Like a kind of a period, a period thing, but without really, it's not like, I'm not trying to ape period recordings from the sixties or seventies, but there's, there's something in in those eras of film scoring that I relate to more than a lot of the modern stuff that I that I hear. Um, that I'm definitely trying to channel a little bit, you know, try and kind of t- use that sensibility a bit, and and really invite in and you know invite in all the talents of my musical friends and and collaborators. Where it's like. It's like it scores only benefit from from more like more musical intelligences added in. You know, it's like music music only benefits from more musical intelligence being added in. And the, the idea of just like being a you know lonesome string com, or l- like lonesome composer alone in a room writing like MIDI strings all day, and then like for <laughs> for forty eight hours at the very end of a six month process, you get to actually make music with people. It's like just doesn't appeal to me at all. I'm like. No, I want to be in my studio or somewhere else that is interesting and fun. I want to be with other musicians, and I want to like I'm um, happy being kind of an ensemble leader that's roping in all sorts of people's talents. But it's uh, to me, musical music is always is always like primarily a communal activity outside of the the you know whatever whatever time you spend alone. I spend alone writing music and developing ideas. I want to counter that with exploring that with people in a room and having real musical interactivity. And, and you know, that's where Mojo comes from. It's like, you got to just get in a room and get, get music to a place where it's got a vibe. It's, it can't just be all, all, uh, alone, alone act.
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't hurt too, that the films that you scored this year are both like certified fresh and they're getting great reviews. They're, they're real. I've seen both of them. They're terrific. Um, the iron claw again as a wrestling fan i've been telling people like it's not a bunch of wrestling matches it's a real story yeah. it's it's heavy there's a lot of heart there's a good message and um it's just it's really well done so i i would yeah, say it's,
2: i mean it's excellent cinema you know
1: it's yeah it's not what i expected but not in a yeah. bad way it was it was yeah. great um and, yeah, and the transformation some of those guys like zach efron is jacked in that movie i couldn't believe that man yeah. He, d- he did yeah, some absolutely. like crazy dieting or something. I don't know. Got to figure that all, out. I
2: mean, they all trained. They all just trained like crazy with real, like with wrestling trainers. Who, yeah. That's what they do, you know? Yeah. It's the, the it's really cinema in a way that, you, you know, every movie that you go to, you're not like that cinema. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like yeah. both both Claw and Eileen, both of them, it's like, oh yeah, this is like capital C cinema. Like you leave the totally. Mm-hmm. You leave the theater kind of shaken up and with a lot of questions and a lot of different feel like conflicting pile of feelings that needs sorting out. And it's, I, I found both of those movies really inspiring to to work on and, and both really challenging in, in different ways. Well, as Matt mentioned, your door is going to be
1: knocking. Um, we're really happy to have you on the show. Congratulations on, these two films and as a big fan of your stuff with arcade fire hopefully more is to come
0: yeah and Thank uh, you. more? Yeah. yeah
1: really yeah cool. yeah and a reminder to our listeners we just a uh, quick little business here uh you can follow us score the podcast on x uh score movie on instagram score a film music documentary on facebook and uh you can watch these episodes on youtube for free Uh, just search score of film music documentary or score the podcast and you can find that richard reed perry thanks so
2: much man for coming on the show we really appreciate it congratulations it's a pleasure yeah nice to meet both you and, and thank you guys that was really fun all right happy holidays to you brother you too